back and came and come and make us look good. What we're looking for is the people that God brings us so that He can mold them into the, into the army that He wants to. That's what God is doing amongst us. So I just know that God's heart is, not, is inclusive, not exclusive. God is about including people and bringing them and, and, and raising people up to fulfill the destiny that He's got on their life. I said this a little while ago, you know, um, we, we don't do a, so much of, um, hey, this is what we're doing. Will you help us? What we, we're more likely to say, what's God saying to you and how can we help you? Because we want people to be raised up into their function in the ministry that God has got for them. And that's the way it needs to be. So there's no special group of insiders um, with, with everyone else as an outsider, uh, except for the fact that God has got a plan, a specific plan for the nation of Israel. But we, uh, we, we're just part of God's broader plan that He is doing and bringing people together um, from everywhere. And I, I just love that. There's a verse in Acts chapter 17 that I want to read to you this morning. Uh, chapter, verse 26. From one man, the Bible says that God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. That's an amazing thing. He's talking about Adam, okay? How God created from Adam. Uh, someone uh, to, and, and all the population of the earth was filled. And God said to Adam, I want you to go, and Adam and Eve, I want you to go and multiply and fill up the earth with people. So um, th- that was the plan. And so they started to do that, but they didn't get very far. They came to a place where they said, hey, hang on. Um, we, just, we just like it here. And they said, let's, uh, let's, let's build a city and sort of stick together so that we don't get scattered. And God said, hang on a minute, that doesn't really work. And so God, it says, the Bible says that God came down to them and he confused their languages and he forced them to be scattered over the whole world because that's God's plan, to fill the earth with people. And so uh, we, can, we can see that. They did, and they, so they spread out. And when it came, for God, came time for God's plan to uh, bring people back into relationship with himself, Jesus, the Son of God, said to his disciples, Jesus said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day, right up to the end of the age. We looked at that scripture last week, actually. And so that's called the Great Commission. That's, that's God's instruction to us that to go everywhere and tell people about Jesus. So I want to share a couple of things about God's command to go. When God said, I want you to go everywhere and tell people about Jesus, here's a couple of things about that that are of interest to us today. Why did God say that? Number one is because life is short, but eternity is forever. And I'm going to make this pretty, pretty brief this morning. Life is short, but eternity is forever. And uh, we were in a, in a coffee shop a couple of days ago, uh, Del and I, and uh, uh, just a little hole-in-the-wall kind of coffee shop somewhere. And, and uh, there was a, a sign on the wall uh, that's in it, like one of these old-school signs you see in coffee shops, and it said this. It said, coffee, do stupid things more quickly and with more energy, which I thought that was pretty good. But it kind of highlights uh, what we call the infallibility of youth, isn't it? That sometimes you can think that 
you know, you're bulletproof, that you can do anything, that you can get away with anything, especially as a, as a young person. Sometimes we can think about that. But what we've got to understand, friends, is that life is short in terms of eternity, but eternity lasts forever. I want to just give you an example of this from the Bible, from Daniel Daniel chapter 5. There's a, a great story. I was reading it this week about a king. He was a bit of a puppet king, this guy called Belshazzar. And he thought that uh, uh, while the real king was away, he would, he would have a party. He held a party for a thousand of the nobles from the kingdom of Babylon. And so they got together and they're having this big uh, party and the wine was flowing freely. And here's Belshazzar and he's thinking, I'm going to get the, all of the, the sacred gold and silver vessels or, or uh, cups that came that were stolen by his father Nebuchadnezzar from Jerusalem decades earlier so they went and got all these uh, sacred vessels from God's house and they filled them up with wine and they were drinking from these and they were praising their gods it says of gold and silver and and wood and stone and bronze and iron and and wood and uh, uh, and what happened is that while they were doing this it says that the fingers of a hand appeared on the wall and started writing something and they couldn't work out what it was and so Belshazzar called in all of the astrologers and the, uh, all of the, the magic magicians and so on of Babylon, of which there was quite a few, and said, tell us what is this writing on the wall? We don't know. They were terrified, of course. This hand just appeared. Imagine a big hand appeared on the wall over there, started writing right now. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty freaked out by that. And so uh, he was, it says that Belshazzar, his knees were knocking together and he couldn't stand up. He was so terrified. But the magicians and the uh, astrologers couldn't work out what it was. So they said, there's someone in the kingdom somewhere who knows how to interpret dreams and mysteries. His name is Daniel. So they brought Daniel in and Daniel told him what the words meant. And so I put it up on the screen. It says, these words, meany, tickle, and, and peris. It says, the first word says, means, God has numbered the days of your rule and they don't add up. In other words, it's not working. The second thing, the second word means you, Belshazzar, have been weighed on the scales and you don't weigh much. And I, I read that. Man, it really got to me because I thought, I don't want that to be said of me. I don't know about you. <laughs> How'd you like to be called a lightweight? You don't want... You don't want God saying that about you. You've been weighed on the scales, but you don't weigh much. And then he says, the last word was, your kingdom has been divided up and handed over to the Medes and Persians. And if you're a student of history, you can read. I had a, I had a bit of a look at some of the historical records about Babylon. It includes all, this, all the, the actual, the secular history records all of this stuff. And interestingly enough, there are parts where it says, uh, we don't really know exactly what happened here. They try to criticize the Bible record, but then they say, oh, we're not really sure, actually. Well, Daniel tells you exactly what happened. It says that night, Belshazzar's life came to a violent end. He was murdered and the kingdom was given over to Darius the Mede. And the Medes and the Persians took over at that time. So here's the point. Belshazzar was completely not expecting it. He had no idea. He had no idea this was about to happen. Having a drunken party, a few hours later, he was dead. And none of us really know how long our life will last. 
Because life is short. We just don't know. Here's the point. Eventually, everyone dies. We all die eventually, don't we? One day, your heart will stop beating, signaling the end of your body. But it won't be the end of you. Because the Bible says that your spirit is eternal and lives on. In fact, the body is only a temporary residence. And I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Where the Bible refers to the body, your human body, as a tent, as a tent, but it refers to the spirit or the eternal part of you as a house. So I know some of you here are into camping a little bit. Where's Andy? You guys are into camping. Oh, he's outside cooking that imaginary barbecue out there. He's out there. But uh, camping's great. But tents are temporary, as you know. Second Corinthians 5 verse 1 says, We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So what we should do, friends, is not be so caught up with the temporary and the things of this life that are passing away because it's only temporary. But understand that God's got something eternal for you I think there's a lot of people living in a tent today that actually God has a house for you and he wants to expand your capacity and give you an eternal home in heaven. I I say this, friends, I want to live now with an eternal focus because this life is preparation for eternity. And how I relate to God today has got everything to do with how I will live with God forever in eternity. Does this mean that Everyone will be saved. No, I don't think it does. Not at all. In fact, when I said before at the start, uh, in fact, there's another scripture I'm going to read in a moment. Um, God's eternal purpose. My second point, God's eternal purpose is to gather everything to himself, gather all things to himself. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan this is the plan at the right time he'll bring together everything under the authority of christ everything in heaven and on earth does that mean that everyone will be saved does that mean that everyone will be in heaven with god i don't think it means that because we know that there are a lot of people who are rejecting god outright that have no interest in the things of god uh, and and will not be in eternity with God in heaven. But it's, God is saying, but this is saying that everything that, that, is, that is in his kingdom realm is going to be gathered together in one in Christ. And we see this a lot uh, through the Bible. It's pictured what God is doing, gathering everything to himself. It's pictured as a harvest. And that's where I want to head to this morning, just for a couple of minutes. In Revelation chapter 14, there's this amazing verse about the end time harvest of the earth let's read it Uh, revelation 14 uh, verse 14 then the scene changed and i saw a white cloud someone sitting on it who looked like jesus who was called the son of man and with a with a crown of solid gold upon his head and a sharp sickle in his hand what's a sickle who knows what a sickle is it's a it's like a it's like a big uh, machete with a rounded sort of a blade on it that they used to use for for um, cutting grain and wheat and barley. Uh, that's a sickle. Nothing to do with a motorcycle. 
and just but it's it's a, it's actually a harvesting implement by hand they'd bend down and, and do it so so the, he has a sickle in his hand then an angel came from the temple and called out to him begin to use the sickle for the time has come for you to reap the harvest is ripe on the earth and i love that because you know so many people have spent their energy trying to work out when jesus christ will return and you know and jesus was very clear about this fact he said i'm coming back again i'm coming back to to get you to to take you to be with myself in my father's house and over and over again the bible tells us jesus is coming back again and then jesus also said but no one knows when exactly when that's going to be and people spend a lifetime trying to work it out trying to figure out and here he says when the harvest is ready that's when the sickle will be thrust into reap. He's talking about the end time gathering in of God's people. That's what he's talking about. When the harvest is ready. So I believe, friends, you might have a different theology, but I believe that God is not watching the calendar or the clock. He's actually watching the state of the harvest. And to me, that, that puts a responsibility on us. What are we doing about the state of the harvest? There's a good verse for you, Haley. What are we doing about the, the state of the harvest? Because God is watching the harvest. And when the harvest is ready, he will call time. It'll be the end of this era in which we live right now. Thrust in the sickle and reap, for the harvest is ripe on the earth. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the harvest was, was gathered in. And I want to say, friends, that the harvest of the earth, talking about the believers, talking about you and I, who are going to be caught up, uh, in the air to, to spend eternity with him. The harvest is being prepared. People are sharing the gospel about Jesus all over the world. Every, everywhere you go, you can hear about Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest fields. That's, what, that's, that's the heartbeat of God. That's what God is saying. I want you to pray. That's what, so we do. Whenever we come together to pray, we're always saying, God, we want you to raise up people with a passion for the lost. Raise up people to, who are willing, who've got courage, who are willing to be filled with the Spirit of God to go and talk to their neighbors, talk to people at work, talk to people they meet down the street about Jesus. That's what God said. Pray that they'll... I, I, will, I will say this. There's a bit of a risk in doing that. <laughs> I've actually said this before, but when you start praying like that, it's a bit risky, I must say. Because if you start praying, God, raise up laborers for the harvest field, guess who the first person he's going to raise up is going to be? It's true. The first person will be you. Because you're praying, you're saying, you're saying, God, this needs to happen. I want this to happen. Well, who is it? Well, what about me? God's going to start doing something in your heart. And so uh, I don't feel bad about warning you of that risk because uh, wh whatever, we still need to be doing that. We need to be praying. So how does God see people who take the message of salvation to others? And uh, this is a, another great scripture in uh, Romans chapter 10. This is the Apostle Paul uh, talking about uh, People who take the good news of the gospel. That's why we were talking before about, you know, what would it be like for someone to go to another country and share the message of Jesus with, with people who'd never heard before. So how can, this is Romans 10, how can poor, uh, people call out for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? 
And how can they hear if no one tells them? How's anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why the scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away, grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. I want to tell you, friends, that when, when people take the message of Jesus, you know, God loves that. In fact, he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah said, how beautiful are the feet of those who take the message of good news to others. And maybe we should all look down at our feet right now. Just ask ourselves, you know, how beautiful are my feet? Have a look at your feet and say, are they beautiful? <laughs> God says, if you're taking the message of salvation through Jesus, then your feet are beautiful. Another translation says, how timely is it when people go bringing the message of Jesus? So, which just goes to show you why we've got to keep retranslating the Bible. But uh, what this is, friends, this is God speaking and prophesying and speaking over the state of the harvest. Because not only is God reaching out and bringing the harvest in, but he's speaking over it. And, and I, I, I love this about the whole thing about the Holy Spirit uh, speaking through us and, and speaking through you. And God uses that. God, God speaks things into existence. So what, what God is doing here when he says how timely it is when people go taking the message of Jesus, what he's saying is he, he is prophesying that's going to happen. That's what happens. God is that's happening. God is raising up people and he's doing it right now around the world. Here's a story in, in the 1970s. I've shared this before as well, but some American Mennonite missionaries went to Ethiopia uh, to plant some churches there. And when the, when the churches, after a few years, they obviously had great success. When the churches were established and they were self-sufficient, they could stand on their own two feet. They did a lot of training and so on. And, uh, they, they thought that there were about 5,000 people that they'd led to the Lord. So it was pretty incredible. And they said, well, our, our work here is done. So they went back home again. But they didn't know what was about to happen in that country. So only a few years after that, in 1982, another government regime took over that hated God. And so church buildings were confiscated. Pastors were either killed or or uh, sent into exile, or into, into hiding. Uh, all, all public uh, expression of the church meeting together was completely banned. You couldn't talk to anyone about Jesus. So the church was completely driven underground at that point in time. And so it was a pretty tricky sort of situation at that point. What happened is, uh, about 10 years after that, in 1992, that regime came to an end as happens. And so, so the Mennonites came out of hiding and they, they could meet together again. And to everyone's surprise, there wasn't 5,000. There was 50,000 of them. So the amazing thing is that persecution couldn't stop the growth of the church. Lack of buildings couldn't stop the growth of the church. Lack of leaders couldn't stop. Lack of communication couldn't stop the church because God is building his church. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church right around the world today. He said, I'm going to do that. What an incredible thing. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 35. This is Jesus talking about the harvest once again. He says, as you look, he's talking to his disciples. Now, this is incredible, this passage. John chapter 4. He's... Um, 
He's on a tri- Jesus on a on a, a little trip up to the north of uh, uh, Gal- Galilee, where they where they were. And normally the Jewish people would go around. They'd take a detour around this little area called Samaria because uh, it was the, the the people that lived there were kind of like outcasts because they weren't uh, you know. Um, true Jewish people they'd intermarried with other nations and so they were they were regarded as being sort of like half-blood Jews and so the Jewish people despised them so Jewish people going from south to north would normally detour around them but Jesus said I have to go through Samaria I got to go through so I got to this place and it's the middle of the day and the disciples say well we're going into town to get something to eat and they all did Jesus stayed there sitting on a well and this woman comes out in the middle of the day to get some water. He starts talking to her and he explains the kingdom of God and he just starts to speak into her life and, and she, she understands very quickly that this is a prophet. This is, this is someone who knows what's going on and he and explains to her about the worship of the true God and she's just over, overawed by by that anyway the disciples come back they've got whatever they've got mcdonald's so they come back and uh you know and, and jesus starts talking to them and uh uh they said to him they said to jesus oh have you had any food you know sounds like a bit of a dumb question since they're just going to buy the food but anyway and it's, jesus said i've had food to eat that you don't know of uh, I'm doing the will of my Father in heaven. I'm talking to this person who doesn't know the way of, of eternal life. And, uh, and so uh, Jesus says to the disciples, he said, lift up your eyes and look around. Let's read it in John 4.35. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it'll be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you, open your eyes and take a good look what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. What he meant was, there's people all around us that are open and ready for the good news. And you know what? It's, it's true right now today. Wherever you go, there's people that are ready for the good news. And I often pray, you know, God, who can I talk to today? Who, who, who's ready to, for, to hear the message of Jesus? And I'll tell you what else I've discovered uh, in, in, in praying this way. That when you, if you're, maybe you're going to work and you, you know, you're busy and you've got things to do, and, and, but you really want to be able to share the, the message of Jesus. And what I've discovered is that uh, the person that, that, that um, comes, come, pops up and says, and there's obviously a conversation and an opportunity to share with someone, it's rarely at the, at the most opportune time. It could be when you're having smoko. It could be at lunchtime when you're sitting there just having a nice conversation with someone. But I've discovered, for me anyway, it's rarely... At an easy time, it's always when you least expect it. But nevertheless, that's why the Bible says, be ready to share the message. So um, the harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. That's the truth of the saying, this one reaps and that one harvests. I sent you to... Harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting a finger, he says to his disciples, you've walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. That's fantastic, friends, because when you go to talk to someone about Jesus, you don't know uh, what their history has been. 
You don't know who else was talking to them yesterday. You don't know what troubles they've been through. And maybe they're, maybe they're at the point, I'm ready right now to receive Jesus. Sometimes we feel like, you know, that the ground is so hard or whatever, but you just don't know who's ready right now and who isn't. That's why the Bible says, you be ready. You be ready to share the message wherever you are because the harvest is ready. And I just love this fact that when Jesus is here with his disciples, what he's doing, you know, he's also prophesying over the harvest. Jesus is saying over the harvest, this harvest is ready right now. And the people are, they're ready. They're, they're, they're harvesting the fields right now. And I, I want to encourage us with the same word this morning, friends. Because I, I just know that already there are people here, even in this room today, that, are, that you, know, you have been sharing your faith with others. And there are others maybe this morning that the Holy Spirit is just stirring you up and saying, it's time to be a bit more open. It's time to, to get ready to share your faith with someone that maybe you've met or someone, you've, someone you just met for the first time or whatever. But God is doing something in your heart today and you know that harvest time is coming to be able to share the message of Jesus with that, with that person. I believe also that God is wanting us, when we get an understanding of the harvest, to know that it's not just our local area, but it's actually the harvest of the nations. That God is wanting us as a church to have a heart for the nations a heart for the nations around about us. If we can stick that, that uh, first slide up on there, uh, the first one about heart for the nations. He wants us to have a heart for the nations. And so I'm, I'm inviting you this morning, friends, to partner with us as, as a church, with our, our board and with our team, because over the next 12 months, we're going to be developing a missions strategy. We're going to be getting more involved in what we can do to share with other nations. And I've already got some things, some conversations I've been having with people about.